you're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Radio, the most subliminal podcast in all of golf. On today's show, we will award our coveted Rock Bottom Frying Pan for the greatest leap forward in golf. Since skeletal golf theory, the only kind of golf that will matter in the future, drives our success, we will use those parameters, wisdoms, nonsense, and cosmic vibrations contained in skeletal golf theory to determine the winner. Before we get started, remember we are sponsored by Dryject and Turfnet, two of the greatest leaps forward in golf history. Dryject is, in our opinion, your greatest option to avoid completely rebuilding your greens. And Turfnet? Well, they're your best option to avoid pouring several thousand dollars down the porcelain vortex just to appease the forces in power. Also, if you need a Christmas present for a loved one, or maybe someone you don't love, consider ordering a copy of The Greens of Wrath, said by many to be the funniest golf book they've ever read. Possibly the funniest book ever. Greens of Wrath will vanish forever on January 1st, so if you want a hard copy, act now. Although it may reappear in audiobook form next spring. Let's get started. First on our list of Great Leaps Forward in Golf, or GLFs, is... Hey! I've been listening, and I want to nominate a GLF. We already have the list right here. There's no room for any more. But I have invented the greatest golf leap forward, especially for old men golfers. Okay, what is it? The golf diaper. That's not a real thing. Look, I'm wearing one right now. Idea come to me when I was playing that rich country club over across town, and there weren't no woods along the fairways where a man could get relief. I was miserable. Nothing but houses lining the course with great big picture windows and rich women staring at me. Just daring me to tap a kidney in the yard. So you, uh... Yep. Now when I'm in trouble and I can't make it to the one restroom per side, I just stand there looking at them rich folks watching me out the big windows and a great big smile comes over my face. Okay, fine. It's on the list. So anyway, I've lived in golf's orbit for almost 60 years. And I've seen a great many changes in how the golf course is presented, operated, and utilized for what may be considered just a game to some and a religion to others. As the only guy in golf doing the checks and balance thing on the alphabets, and because of that I face an uncertain future, anyway, I feel it's important to add to the history of golf with this list of GLFs before something happens to me. For our first GLF, and this is not in chronological or order of importance, I nominate the zero-turn rough unit. In the olden times, all we had was a bush hog set at four inches, and that thing was lethal. Rocks and balls and rodents flying everywhere at dangerous muzzle velocities. My favorite ZTR was the single tail wheel Hustler. I first experienced the Hustler in 73, after hearing about Palmer Maples, former supreme leader of the Empire in Kansas and CGCS of the original Standard Club in Buckhead, and his legendary demo test of a Hustler. The machine was controlled only by twin sticks. No brakes, no pedals, and an odd tendency to buck like a bronco on meth while traversing a steep hill. Palmer rode the wild beast backwards into a creek and found himself trapped, underwater, beneath the still-running monster. I was impressed. After hearing the story from Mark Hoban, Palmer's assistant at the time, I had to have a hustler. It was the future. The hustler was the only machine on the golf course to ever trigger fights for the right to operate it. One such fight ended with me pinned in a bunker by Bubba Doo, not to be confused with Bubba Frank, the elder Bubba on staff, but anyway, 
Bubadoo sat upon my head, leaving a permanent impression of my face in the sand. But later he was deemed too heavy to operate the hustler, and it became mine. At least until my brother Mike inherited it. If you're through waxing all nostalgic, I nominate the Flymo. Ah, yes, the Flymo. A hover mower invented to mow high-flashed bunker faces, whose only purpose in golf was to either sell real estate or enhance photographic brochures distributed by golf course architects. I think a string trimmer was a GLF. It replaced the sling blade, or swing blade, depending on your level of education. Yeah, somewhere in West Tennessee is a golf course lake full of rusting sling blades, due to my inability to maintain a good grip on the device. The sling blade was also terrible for your golf swing, as it triggered severe duck hooks. The string trimmer also replaced the propane flamethrower on a trailer, used to mow snake-infested creek banks, and also to allow a 13-year-old numbskull to spend the day pretending to be a villain in an apocalyptic film. What about the Brower Giant Bank? That was a magnificent tool during leaf season, and it also helped control the cat population. That's true, but golf course dogs were never in danger, though, because the thousands of years of good breeding has given dogs the good sense to stay away from vacuum machines. Can we nominalize the Toro Hydroject? Absolutely. Not only did the Hydroject punch tiny holes deep into adobe putting surfaces while allowing golfers to play without complaining, it was also an early roller. By sending it out without the quick coupler hose and letting the largest crew member ride it, the Toro could also fool the pro shop into believing that we had mowed greens. That's cause it removed dew and sped the greens up to eight on the death meter scale. I want to nominate the riding bunker rake in the GLB category. What's GLB? Great Leap Backwards. You know, I was there when the riding bunker rake first appeared. Wasn't a good thing either. All it did was tempt Archies to make bunkers bigger and more numerous which led to the current plague of having to spend more money on bunkers than on greens. I also think the giant Watmore was a terrible idea. Anything so heavy that it needs turn pads to keep from burning the collar is... Shouldn't require extra people just to mow a green. Yeah, I think the triplex greens mower was the best thing to ever happen to affordable golf. But somehow it was treated like it came out of the trailer park by the trend-setting clubs. You know what burns tough worse than them giant walk mowers? Them UFOs. They leave burn marks everywhere they land when they're out kidnapping night watermen. I've been abducted 13 times. Y'all are off the rails. Speaking of off the rails, how about that guy that tried to introduce using Green's walk mowers on fairways? Oh, Mama, he was just trying to outdo Augusta National. A real true GLF was the introduction of the ultra-dwarf Bermuda putting surface, like Tiff Eagle and Champion and Mini Verde. Of course, before you convert to a UD, you might want to consider choosing one that was bred in your area for your climate. I like that tiff tough. You remember when we sprigged the whole fairway and the pumps went down and that stuff come up anyway? It don't mind shade. Cold weather ain't killed it yet and them microscopic toads don't like to eat it. Yeah, that's a real GLF right there. We can't mention GLFs without talking about the greatest invention ever. The internet. It is only with the internet that wealthy 18 handicapped players can share their expert opinions on course conditions and proper superintendent behavior. Also, they can learn turf science terms to impress their friends on the board. That's true. Without the internet, we wouldn't have folks like Lord Asphalt or that hipster doofus Tweety Bird, Alistair Wilkinson. Who's he? Oh, he's a whiny alphabet worshiper and a Tom Fazio apologist who's trying to kickstart the movement back to steel spikes. Well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Yeah, there is a movement trying to justify the return of steel, you know, claiming the new tap-down-your-spike-marks rule is, you know, the best argument. But 
They just don't understand. I understand this fella's a dead burn troll and ought to have a frying pan upside his head. I'll do it. I'm nominating this Wokenzy fella for the Turpentine Corn Cob Award. Duly noted. And since we brought up steel spikes, we can put the no steel rule up as a GLF. See, the steel ban wasn't about what turf pros wanted. It was passed through quickly because of damage to floors, decks, and worse damage to golf cart dashboards. That's right. Them candy-ass cart ballers like to prop their feet up on the dashboard. I did like how steel spikes made it possible for drunk members to slide across the tile floor in the restroom and break something. See, what people don't realize is if steel could wear down hard surfaces like wood... Just imagine what it did to soft turf tissue. If you need proof of steel spike damage, just prance across your fancy buckhead condo in your old steel and see what happens. You know, eventually a large number of golfers began to realize they didn't need spikes at all. Yeah, the lower we were forced to drop the cut in order to keep up with the golfers' desire to brag about their home green speeds, the more damage steel did. I want to nominate the computerized payroll time clock to the Great Leap Backwards list. I spent more time trying to correct that thing than I ever did with paper. I hate that electronic job board. And what's wrong with the chalkboard? Careful, comrade. You're treading on thin ice now. Talk about stuff worth hating. I hate the spray hawk. Whoever invented that ought to have to spray a couple of fairways with it and see what it takes. That's a good point. I heard a story about an intern at a Charlotte course that was sent out 31 times in 29 days to spray hawk, and now he works at the Dairy Queen. Any more nominations? I got one. I think the greatest leap forward in golf is them women golfers in bikinis on the YouTube. They hit the ball good, too, and sometimes... Mama, I think you hit him too hard. Looks like something's leaking out of his head. No, that's his hairspray. Cletus went bald ten years back, and now he just paints the fuzz real thick with something he ordered off TV. I'm nominating the Quadro Irrigation System. It's capable of irrigating the fairways of the woods, neighbor's yard, and it uses enough electricity to power Quebec on a winter day. That's a good one. We continue to ignore that Cornell study that said the quick upper was the most efficient way to manage water on the golf course. Them auto systems is just pure laziness. They also cause folks to program water cycles just to be sure, rather than going dry and taking a chance. Not to mention the coupler's only about $40, and them heads now, they cost more than my truck. Let's talk about the tournament, Bed Knife. They allow for mowing so low that we can get the grass right to the edge of death. Buddy hates those bed knives. Says we used to get two years out of a set of bed knives, and now we do good to make it a month. Then he has to spend all that time changing them. Screws laying all over the floor. That's because you use too much sand. Hey, has anybody mentioned them growth retardants? They make the turf tiny and real stout. It ain't all these room. You ought to wash your hands after handling that stuff. It wouldn't happen. I thought it was cold water did that. What about drones? Ain't they a great leap forward? Well, Ludell doesn't think so. Why not? Because I was trying to prove that Augusta suffers from the Cinderella thing, and I sent up a drone over him in the summer in the... Cinderella what? You know, at midnight, Cinderella turns back normal again. See, they don't allow anyone to see what goes on behind the curtain during the summer because it would hurt their magic image. Yeah, in the summer, it look like every other Muda course that may be a little worse because all that overseed won't let the Muda come back. You know, you just can't put down 750 pounds an acre and expect something to live underneath it. Anyway, all I wanted to do was get some video, and they sent up this big, black, ugly octocopter, and it grabbed my drone and carried it off. How'd they do that? Well, their anti-drone drone can lower fishing lines into the target drone, and then the fishing lines get all tangled in the rotors, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. Never saw my drone again. 
Speaking of those folks, why ain't you nominated the Augusta effect yet? You invented it, right? Booth, like a lot of folks in golf, you're confusing the Augusta syndrome with the Augusta effect. The syndrome is what happens to people overexposed to the master's conditioning, either in person or on TV. The Augusta effect is what happens to their golf course when they get back home from overseas national and start yelling stuff like, Why can't we do that? And I hate pine cones. I diagnosed our part owner in 86 with the syndrome and tried to explain to him that their budget was different from ours. And He said, well, how different? And I told him, well, I could build five golf courses for what their annual budget is. And then his head exploded. It was a terrible mess. I know one we missed. The official hat of the golf course staff, the cowboy hat. I like my sombrero. It covers up better than a cowboy hat. You can't wear a sombrero, you idiot. That's appropriating somebody else's culture. We could use some culture around here. Hey, y'all remember when I accidentally invented the BBS? The burning bent grass sunglasses? Uh, BS what? See, way back in the 80s, I was out training on my road bike. And when I went past the course, you know, just to check on things, I could see bent grass burning everywhere. I rode in and explained at high volume the situation to the wilt watchers. And their response was, Nothing's burning, boss. Show us where you see grass burning. When I showed them, they couldn't see it. That's when I realized my sunglasses were enhancing the appearance of stressed turf. But then later that day, the very places I showed them lit up like a barbecue grill. And then they thought I was gifted with turf prophecy. After that, I always wore my bike riding sunglasses on hot days, not my usual Ray-Bans. Tell them what else you invented. Well, back when all we had was AM transistor radios, I spliced two earpieces together, stuck them in some shooting hearing protectors, and I had music while I mowed fairways. Of course, later Sony stole the idea and came up with a Walkman, which allowed me to listen to classical music on the F-10, rather than that tinny sound in Top 40. I want to nominate for the greatest leap forward in golf, Turfnet. And Rock Bottom Country Club videos. What a sucker. Well, that's reasonable. Our first article appeared back in 2000, and Rock Bottom went on the air for Turfnet in December of 2005 with Randy and Buddy in Golf Cart Control. That means we got an anniversary coming up next month. Fifteen years. That's longer than Frazier, Seinfeld, or... Yeah, but not as long as Gunsmoke. Okay, time for one more. I know. The choker layer. Well, the choker layer green construction method was really important. Why? It didn't work. Well, it taught us something really important. Let me explain. Way back in 88, we were tasked with a major renovation of a terrible golf course known as uh, Brokefinger. Like all renovations, the money first offered got cut by 80% and given to the pro shop, and we were told to rebuild the greens in-house. I didn't mind. I'd done it several times before, but... Then this alphabet fella shows up and says he strongly recommends we go with the choker layer. Well, what happened? It was a slow, meticulous process, during which time most of the crew quit because of having to wheelbarrow gravel and two-millimeter sand and riverstone across the ditches on two-by-twelves. It was during one of those really hot summers. (laughs) It didn't work? Not that well. But the funny part was, right when we finished, that alphabet character shows up and says, Oh, you did the choker layer? Well, we're not recommending that anymore. Only a fool would do that. Did he really say that? Well, I may have added that last part. Well, then why are you saying it was a DLF? Because that's when we realized the New Jersey alphabet was not infallible, and we should probably just ignore them and get our information from other superintendents. Things went great after that, except for Brokefinger, because it's a swamp now. Well, look who it is. Ain't Femi. Really? Is it story time yet? 
I want to hear the one about the golf bro that made the great leap backwards. Uh, we don't have time for story time. Well, I want to hear a story. Uh, me too. Go ahead and tell it, Willie. Then we'll vote on the greatest leap forward in golf. Tell the real version this time instead of the one the lawyer said you had to use. Okay, it's story time. It was 1973 on a big muni outside Atlanta, and we had the worst golf pro ever. He had bribed the local officials and given him all the course revenue, and I mean all of it, except for Greenface. Now, we had this old-timey Coke machine down at the barn, and Dad would put in those six-and-a-half-ounce Cokes in the little bottle, you know, the ones that were super carbonated, and that machine kept them really cold, which was a big deal on a hot golf course. Once a month, Dad emptied the cash box and took the crew to Granny's Kitchen for lunch, one of those all-you-can-eat country food spots, and it was a lot of fun. Well... Buzzard, the evil old golf pro, found out and told the local officials that his contract said he had the concession right for the whole golf course, and he demanded that Dad cease and desist selling Coca-Colas in Buzzard's rightful domain, and then Buzzard had the nerve to install a big shiny new machine. I think it was a Pepsi machine. Anyway, he installed this blasphemous artifact. Now remember, this was Atlanta where Coke was invented, although it was mostly cocaine back in, what, 1886. But anyway... He installed this Pepsi monster and then came down to collect his money. And not only was it a foreign brand made by Yankees, according to Norville, our mechanic, who we considered an expert on everything because he had a meteorology degree, but to make things worse, the evil golf pro jacked up the price to triple what Dad had been selling Cokes for. When the old buzzard checked the cash box, much to his dismay, he discovered he hadn't sold a single Pepsi. He realized he was being boycotted. And he went off into a rage, accusing Dad of disreputable business practices like infringing on his distribution territory. Dad calmly explained that, although it might appear he was unfairly competing with Buzzard, the Cokes in Dad's machine were free to the crew, although what actually was taking place was quite different. Dad kept a couple of coolers in his office and charged the same price previously used in the old Coke machine. Buzzard stormed into the combination latrine chemical room vending machine area to test the truth of Dad's claim and... When he grabbed the old steel handle to open the door, he was hit with a mighty blast of 110 volts of Georgia Power electricity. Now that voltage might have been amplified by the water pooled on the floor and buzzard steel spikes, but after all, machines with refrigeration units in them tend to leak, and you know, there was a commode facility in the room also. The white hot bolt of electrons and ions and neutrons or whatever makes up a burst of sizzling controlled lightning zapped buzzard real good. Because I was watching at the exact moment that this happened, Buzzard concluded that I was guilty, and also, in less than a couple of seconds, Buzzard suggested that I had canine heritage, questioned whether or not my parents were legally married, and he accused me of immoral acts with goats, all while making a great leap backwards into a shelf containing bed knives, some 2,4-D, and a year's supply of toilet paper. Later, when the cops arrived to investigate, Dad smoothed the whole thing over by explaining that Buzzard imagined the electric shock, partly due to his guilty feelings for not allowing local police to play free golf, because... He was stingy and all. And furthermore, that any time they wanted, they could stop by our barn for a cold six and one half ounce Coke. And the crew, being a bunch of potheads, they weren't happy about that part. But anyway, Buzzard eventually had the foreign machine removed and he never came down to the barn again. And I learned a valuable lesson. I learned you could electrify all sorts of stuff. For instance, you could zap the golfer of your choice by hooking a car battery up to a ball washer or a bench. Or if you got really creative, electric golf carts were a veritable rolling electric chair. But you should never do that. The end. Hey, 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 h
Okay, I think we ought to vote now. First, the Great Leap Backwards category. I'm guessing it's the buzzard and the cook machine, right? And I think we all know who the winner of the rock bottom frying pan for excellence in skeletal golf theory and the greatest leap forward in golf is. So? Yeah, it's so obvious we don't even need to vote. I agree. The winner is the golf diaper. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 